Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, and welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. I'm Johnny. And I'm Callum. And this is 2022, a year in review. Can you keep that voice up for the entire thing? Absolutely not. And uh, should we sing Old Lang Syne? You're not allowed to sing ever <laughs> on this podcast. Should Old Aquarius... Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'll be good. Okay. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Untitled Film Podcast review of the year, where we will be talking about some of the films we've reviewed this year. Some of the news that we've looked at this year. Who we think are the best and the worst actors and actoresses. Some exciting things to come up and also some films that maybe we missed that we wished that we had talked about maybe some tv shows that we wished that we talked about some and lots of fun scampy hijinks to be had larks and japes expect larks and japes and we have a bottle of wine while we do it if you've heard that and i apologize to uh rob who's going to have to be the person editing around our gulps and us putting it down ever so quietly on the table Mm. like this Oh, you naughty boy. Um, Yes, anyway. The naughtiest of the naughty boys. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And with this episode, um, don't forget, as ever, to subscribe to our social media, uh, where we will be posting really exciting updates about what's going on in the world of Callum and Johnny and podcasting. All the films that we're going to review, maybe some questions, maybe some polls... You know, other fun stuff. And he put his head right on the pop filter in order to take a selfie. So if you heard that, that's what that was. That's what that <laughs> a really obnoxious clang was. I'm trying to get you content, guys, for the... Some for the hot new content. Hot content. Us with wine. And, and as you're asking about with that, I'll tell the people where they can find us. We're on... Go for it. Untitled Film Podcast, one word on uh, Facebook and Instagram. And uh, Johnny, are there any other social media pages where people can find us? Maybe one run by a narcissistic, evil, um, Mr. Burns-esque billionaire that is running their social media into the ground? Well, we're recording this on the 14th of December. So you'll be hearing this after Christmas, just before New Year. And who knows if Twitter will still exist by then because Elon Musk is now not the richest person in the world anymore. Um, he's fired all his staff and his infrastructure seems to be crumbling. So we shall see. So possibly Twitter, but we don't use it because... It's a fun to bog and round. that guy. Yes, fuck that guy. Fuck him hard. Um, And fuck anyone who likes him. Yeah. If you like him, don't listen to us again. Yes. Ever. Bootlicks be gone. Yeah. We don't don't care about ratings in this podcast. What we care about is quality. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) on to the news. So we are going on a twist for the news this year um we are going to talk about the piece of news that has most excited us this year that we've talked about and what it doesn't have to be necessarily next year but probably things that will be coming out and happening next year and callum what piece of news that you've talked about this year are you most excited about oh fucking hate this one uh no that's not true i'm sort of middle ground about it because i do like the story but i don't like the director there's a film going to be made about the british military unit in the second world war called the um unit for ungentlemanly warfare and if you don't know these guys these were uh, some celebrities so you had ian fleming uh you had christopher lee was a member and they would seduce people they you know it's real spy stuff like it's understandable where the idea for james bond came from um you know he seduced people get their money get their support for the war but they were also 
cold-blooded killers. Like, these are the guys that hid in trees. They weren't hiding with cameras, looking for files. They were ready to pop out of a tree with a knife between their teeth and slit the throat of a Nazi. So it's a really good story. But it's directed by Guy Ritchie, who's only marginally better than Zack Snyder. So it's a stylistic dummy. Um, and I've liked some of his films. Um, others I thought were complete pish. Um, and yeah, and I'm just hoping it's more in stylistic but fun. And not in stylistic but really bad, like his stuff with Disney, like the uh, Aladdin live-action remake, or some of the more obnoxious of his cockney gangster stuff, which can range between slightly fun to really annoying. So we'll see, we'll see. But I'm excited about the story, but not about the director. So, uh, Johnny, um, when you've stopped taking video of me, I would like you to tell me what your most exciting bit of news is. I will not be shocked by the answer. I'm really excited about Zack Snyder coming back to the DC Universe. You son of a bitch. Um, I don't think Zack Snyder is even coming back to DC Universe. That is a lie. I'm most excited about six seasons in a movie. Yes, I knew that. I knew, <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Um, I'm very excited that they are making a community movie, that the majority of the cast seem to come back, and that they are completing their mission of making six seasons in a movie because they've made six seasons and that was I think the last one was like 2015 or something and it was a struggle to get to six seasons it was a struggle but impressive like I feel like how many shows actually get to six seasons especially when they've been cancelled picked up again moved to a different studio like to streaming network yeah that like yahoo.com streaming service it wasn't even like a one of the biggies. In fact, I don't think that Yahoo streaming is even a thing anymore. No, they got had that, and they had to think a the Orville, which I think continued on on something it does. else afterwards. It's, it's maybe. still going. Was I it think. the Orville? Something like that. It was some kind of um, sci-fi thing, and they were both very high budget, and they both lot destroyed Amazon screen <laughs> within one season because no one watched either of them. Um, <laughs> And somehow Amazon Screen thought spending £100 million on, or $100 million on two shows was a good idea. That'll learn them. That'll learn them, exactly. Um, anyway, uh, but no, very exciting. Uh, I just want a little shout-out as well for the fact that Spider-Verse is finally coming out next year, the new one. That yes, very exciting. It's in, no, Into is the first it's one. It's across the Spider-Verse. Spider Spider-Verse. I still think the names are too similar, but it's probably my favourite Spider-Man movie. Me too. Um, and they're making a sequel that looks almost as awesome or maybe more awesome who knows could be could be could be the paddington 2 of superhero animated sequels let's hope so and on from that that is our news for the next year so strap in and get excited uh and i think with that we are going to move it to our I don't want to call it awards because no one's getting an actual award, but our picks for our favourite movies of the year. So first off, of favourite and worst, to be fair. Uh, first off, I think I'd like to ask you, Callum, what is the best film you've watched this year for the podcast that is in our new category? For the brand spanking new movie, I've chosen quite a modest film. It's Ron Howard's 13 Lives. It really impressed me. And, you know, I was umming and erring between this and Nope, but Nope just had a few too many niggly little flaws that just held it down a little bit and, and still my weakest Jordan Peele film. Um, but I admired that very much. So that was a close second, you know, runner-up. But 13 Lives, I felt, was uh, emotionally honest. Um, again, it, it wasn't perfect. Um, some of the acting was a little bit ropey. It told a... Uh, a story honestly and without flair and which is Ron Howard's signature thing when he's on form he does so in a very unfussy way not dissimilar to someone like Clint Eastwood it's just very much uh tell the story don't let flashy kind of you know overbearing editing and tricks overwhelm the story he just told the story that needed to be told and he did it from an ensemble point of view he didn't do that thing that a lot of american filmmakers do when telling a story that takes place overseas that might have some westerners involved uh, i think the example we used in the review was argo where a story that's in real life the canadians and the british embassy and new zealand embassy did a lot of the work before the americans even poked their nose into that story 
is now suddenly a movie about where Hollywood saves the day. Whereas this is a story where there are some English heroes, there are some Thai heroes, there, there are heroes all over, the, all over that bloody map. And it was very good of someone like Ron Howard, who the impression I get is a very good man. Of course he would tell that story that way because that's the way the story needed to be told. And he's a very humanist filmmaker when he's on form. So that's my favourite new film of uh, that we watched for the podcast. Interesting. That interestingly enough, that was on my list. I had a bit of a short list of three, and you mentioned two of them there, <laughs> and I didn't go for either of those two in the end. I went for I don't know if it's either the obvious choice or the less obvious choice. I would like to preface that none of the films we've watched really like blew me away of the new. Films. That was the same for me because we're blew still fairly new. 15 episodes, 14 where we've watched movies, 13 of which where we've watched new movies. Mm. We didn't have a huge pile to select from, so next year it will be a tougher battle. Yeah, I think actually, ironically, the old movies, we've had a couple of 10 out of 10s, but I don't think we've only 10 out of 10s on the new movies. No, I don't think we have. But I went for a genre movie that hit the nail on the head perfectly, um, that showed how to do a sequel perfectly, um, had some... It's got my best actor of the year in it, actually, as well, but it may not be the person you're thinking when you hear the name of the film. Uh, it was Top Gun Maverick. Um, oh, interesting. I think it, yeah, I think it really just Because I remember you being quite lukewarm on that film. I think you gave it a six, didn't you? No. You, um, I, I? Don't, I don't think it was a... No, I think maybe... It felt like an eight. I think I gave it a seven. I think you gave it a six. I'm pretty sure you did. Interesting. So it must have just kind of grew in your memory, like like a. I have only seen like it a, once, and you've seen like it three times. So, but yeah, no, it just it seemed to work. So I thought about Thirteen Lives, and then I thought, uh, my question of to myself was, am I too close to that story? Like having lived in Thailand, and I was in China when it all happened, and I remember really watching it really intently, and I kind of I feel like I got. And I've seen quite a few documentaries and things on it. So I was like, am I looking at this objectively? So I ruled that out. Fair enough. And I really loved Nope as well. And I nearly said Nope. But I kind of thought well, two things. One, it was in our first ever podcast. I kind of didn't want to pick a movie from our first podcast. So I thought our third. Um, and the other thing was, um, I still kind of think it's not Jordan Peele's best movie. So Same. I felt weird not, I felt weird picking it when it wasn't his best movie. Um, not the Top Guns. Um, possibly is John Krasinski, not Krasinski, however you say his name. Oh, um, I forget. Krasowski? Some, it, anyway, hey, hey, him, I, possibly is his best film. But yeah, anyway, um, I just thought it is a really good genre movie. And I think it really worked. I think it is too long. Um, the classic, my line. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, so I went for Top Gun Maverick. I just thought it ticked a lot of boxes. But that probably says a lot that nothing blew me away enough that it was like me going, oh my God, I just really loved that film. And da-da. and actually I was looking through, because there's another question in this later, which is a um, film that we didn't review for the podcast that was our favourite. And I really struggled um, to find a movie this year that blew me away for that as well. Partially because I maybe the first half of the year I didn't watch as many movies as I normally would. And partially because I don't think there was anything that really blew me away massively this year in general anyway. There's possibly one or two films I haven't seen that I think will, but um, yeah, anyway. Well, interestingly, they're going for a big push for Top Gun Maverick to be one of the Best Picture contenders. It was nominated for a Golden Globe. I think it got a Critics' Choice nomination for Best Picture, and I think it's been picking up a few of the uh, Association Awards. I've also seen it quite high up at the end of the year review list. So yes. when you look at like top 50 movies of the year for Time Out or Empire or whatever, it's been in the top five in a lot of those. I've seen it number one, number two in a few as well and stuff. So it obviously has some kudos. It's clearly cover. worked for people. Yeah, and it made a lot of money. Absolutely. Doesn't not always a sign of quality, but giving it had legs. It didn't feel like it made it all in the first weekend. It kind of made it over a long period of time. And there were sort of two movies that did that. One in a very modest way, one in a bananas huge and uh, the bananas huge one was uh, of course Top Gun mm. and um, The Woman King worked in that way that it had a 19 million dollar opening weekend, then a 12 and then and, you know so it just it took little steps down. Yeah. So there are a couple of films that lingered for older audiences but not many, not many. Excellent. But no, that was, that was, that's our best new movies from the podcast. We will have a best new movies in general thing later. Aye, we will. Which I've cheated on. Um, but anyway, um, what was your worst new movie that we reviewed for the podcast? I think we may have the same one on this, but I don't yeah. know what this is. Uh, there was two contenders. <laughs> same for me. Um, so the first one, the 
I, I did think about putting Pinocchio, the Disney Plus <laughs> one. You but put so too as me. The problem with Pinocchio being on a worst list is that in the end, it's just a Disney Plus throw the kids in front of it and then go off and do something else sort of film. So, you, you know, we watched it because we did it for the podcast. It's not something that's infecting cinemas like a conscious disease. Exactly. With the film that did win that plaudits, it's a film that's so convinced of its own genius, so convinced that this is the business, this is top banana, oh my God, this is this is Oscars Ahoy, lads, and Venice Film Festival, 16-minute standing ovation. So what? What doesn't get a 16-minute standing ovation at any of these film festivals? And that is Andrew Dominic's Blonde. I'll say that again because it's coughed right in the same. It's Andrew Dominic's Blonde. Um, atrocious film. Um, you know, insulting... Uh, one on a, f- a filmmaking level, it's one of those films that use all the bag of tricks. They change from uh, kind of um, shutter speeds and 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 uh, aspect, ratio. aspect ratio, sorry, and uh, black and white to color, and uh, you know it pulls this trick, and oh, that's a fun CGI bit. Let's do that. It's you know it's so convinced. And Andrew Dominic, he's a talented guy. He made Chopper. He made Killing Them Softly. He's, he's not a very prolific filmmaker, but you know he's made four films. Um, that, well, that I'm aware of, I might be wrong there. But um, Chopper, Killing Them Softly, and The Assassination of Jesse James, two of those are fantastic. Killing Them Softly is flawed, but, you know, uh, very interesting. Uh, I recommend it, and, and you'll like it. It's 90 minutes long. And this is just insulting. It's misogynistic. It It treats Marilyn Monroe, this smart woman in Hollywood who had her demons, sure, but was not some battered little housewife who you know was simpering and and crying and the things it has her do the fiction it puts her in just to kind of show oh look this is what women in hollywood have to put up with you yes that's true we've seen that we've heard the me too stories the appalling behavior of men in hollywood but if if it's so concerning for you andrew you fucking hack why not fictionalize it why run this woman's name through the muds to put her in things that never happened to her. You know, make a Marilyn Monroe proxy. That's what a talented filmmaker would do. Or, you know, talented you were. I'm not so sure anymore. I'm not so sure you're not just a masochistic bag of tricks. Kind of, war blimey, won't this look fun? So, I agree. Uh, As you were going to say, for both movies. I I was going to, they were both the two that came to my mind. But my kind of thought process was Pinocchio was harmless fun. It was fucking awful, but it was harmless fun. Yeah, absolutely. But Blonde is just really rubbed me up the wrong way and really annoyed me. And the, the scene that really wound me up to no end was the JFK scene. And especially when I was reading about it all afterwards, and I was like, nothing even close to this ever happened or from anyone can find any information close to something like that happening there is a possibility that they may have both consensually slept together but that's not even verified and to kind of drag her name someone who's dead through the mud and drag his name someone who's dead through the mud in such a way i'm not saying that john f kennedy was a stand-up guy when it came to women because he clearly wasn't but like yeah it just and the kennedys in general um but yeah it just um yeah, just the whole thing left a bad taste in my mouth and I wasn't a fan of it in any way, shape or form. It's just an ugly, ugly piece of filmmaking. Exactly. So I think, Callum, it's your turn to ask <laughs> me a couple of questions now. Yes. So let's start with, uh, should we go for acting? Or I was going to say, should we do the old movies, okay. best and worst? Yeah, absolutely. So um, let's start, let's flip it a little bit. Let's go for worst old film first rather than best old film first. Well, I was looking and actually we picked films for the most part that I think we both liked for the... So this was quite a hard category. There was one standout think film... I know what it's going to be. One standout film that was so boring and so <laughs> long and so poorly set designed and ugly and poorly acted <laughs> and terrible script and I nearly fell asleep in. And that. And what film would that be? Is Speed Racer, the film that was made so that Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse could could run. It walked so other films could run. And Scott Pilgrim. Maybe scrap my wife. True. I I will give it that there was some 
reasonable editing in certain points, but in a way that annoyed me. Like, it, from a technical point of view, that was well done. Outside of that, though, the storyline was was awful. The acting was awful. I just didn't like it. I mean, I even Roger Allen. Even Roger Allen. He's probably the best thing in it with this one speech he gets that he's never in it for the rest of the movie. He, he isn't in it for much. I do love that story. I hated, the, I hated the editing around that, though. I hated, like, the spinning round and the way they did the background and then the fact they had the stupid monkey and stupid young brother appearing That, that is in certainly the weakest part of the film. I do love that story, though. So um, I, I told this in the review, but it's so, there's something endearing about this. No. Um, no, it, it, about Roger Allen, not, not about the oh, film. Okay. Um, it's that Roger Allen, of course, has had plenty of success. He's been on huge successful television shows in the UK. The thick of it. Uh, the thick of it, but also uh, Endeavour, um, which anyone, my mum is a big the, fan. If anyone knows the thick of it, he is um, Peter Mannion MP. And, uh, of course, he's a, a theatrical actor. He's been, you know, he's one of the high highlights of um the stage you know if he's on the stage in london in the west end that will be that's a show to see but he always had this thing in the back of his head that he really wanted to be an alan rickman or gary oldman-esque villain actor in hollywood sort of as that that, that they started phasing that out though so they don't other you know this was a um an outlier by having this type of english villain in the 2000s they just kind of stopped doing that thing but he always had this dream of being so the first time the first chance he gets because he's done two Wachowski films because um he was also a villain in uh, V for Vendetta so he clearly the V Vendetta isn't Wachowski uh, written by not directed by I think they wrote it yeah interesting um and so clearly something about the Wachowskis and something about Roger Allen they go yeah I, we want this guy and of course he was very much like you're gonna give me a villain role yes so in that this one is my speech, big break, guys. exactly. I'm going to track that cocaine. Um, so in that one big villain speech, he every bit of scenery that comes between his teeth, he chooses every word. He is kind of mercilessly kind of biting and gnawing, and, and every bit of dialogue that comes to. So you know, it's very um, plummy. It's like this is my religion, boy. It's like you can. If you don't like that movie, that that line delivery is a kind of one bright spark. If you don't like that movie, of course, as we all know, I went a bit mad talking about that movie. Um, yes. But it's a fun story. I like uh, hearing how actors are a little bit human, you know? And that's one of those cases like, oh, I really wish, you know, one thing I haven't fulfilled is that I want to be a Hollywood British villain actor yelling at Bruce Willis. And of course, he picked the wrong film to do it. Um, but actually, in a way, he kind of picked the only film to do it. They weren't making those films anymore. And he just said, yes, I'll do it. And every bit of dialogue is, is uh, hammy. And you know, that's a, um, a sweet story, even, even if you don't like the, like the film. So now you've taken another three minutes of the podcast <laughs> off talking about Speed Racer. Um, what is your worst film of the year? So I'm going to preface Old. this by saying um, not worst, just least good that I saw in what, like fifteen films? Yeah, fourteen, I think. Fourteen? No, well, no. I think it actually would it would be sixteen with this one because we did a podcast with two old films in it. Um, the previous Christmas episode. Oh yeah, true. Um, but so I liked this film more or less. There, I just had a lot of teeny tiny flaws that stopped it, held it back, um, and that's a futile and stupid gesture. Interesting. And I do have to preface that by saying it's not a bad film. I kind of enjoyed it overall, but I did give it a 5 out of 10, which I think was my lowest for a new film. Uh, sorry, for an old film. And it just had a few too many problems, Netflix budgetary stuff. Uh, it had ambitions that it couldn't aspire to, and then it sort of got trapped under the weight of biopics that it was trying to be subversive, and then it ended up becoming a biopic. Mm. And... You know, it's not bad. It is not bad, but it's the least good that I saw. I thought you might say the Cowboy Bebop remake. Um, well, that's that was one of our new picks. It was, oh, yeah, it was new. Yeah. yeah you're right, actually. You're I mean, right. it was our new pick. It had been out for a year. Wow, yeah. So, <laughs> true. No, I, I kind of agree. I think that's a, a good one. Um, so, should we go to the best old movie? Yes. So, I struggle with this one. I have two written down. I didn't struggle at all. <laughs> um, and I know which one you've got, and that's one of the two I've got written down. So, I think I'm going to go for the other one just for... What's the word? For... Um, for the sake of conversation. 
the sake of conversation, but I will agree with everything you say about what you're going to say. <laughs> I, I might be wrong. Maybe not what you're going to say, because okay, we'll I don't know what he says, but I'm fairly convinced it is. So I'm going to go for Sherpa. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Which I think you gave 10 out of 10. I did. I really liked um, it. It's, uh, yeah, absolutely amazing documentary. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's on Netflix. It's about the Sherpas who take people up Mount Everest. Um, and the particularly bad season in, I'm going to get the year right. It was one, I think it was 2014 when there was a big avalanche at the start of the season and, and um, a large, I think 13 Sherpas were killed um and they cancelled the season effectively but it's the story of of leading up to that um and it yeah really interesting the the people that went to make it went to make a story about the sherpas and ended up making a story about this horrible event um and yeah it really really interesting um yeah not much more to say i think yeah, excellent film go and watch it it was incredibly effective and I, I can't say that i knew anything about it i didn't even know that sherpa was a type of um person an indigenous uh, person i assumed it was a job title i you know you know that and that was my ignorance but i'm really glad i saw the film and it opened my eyes to people and how they're mistreated and how colonialism is still alive and well in the 21st century and you know the, the man in that film who's almost like a cartoon villain uh he tells the crowd at one point like Oh, if, if you go up that mountain, guys, these Sherpas, they'll break your legs. They will. They will. It's like, oh, you f- yeah, you know, it, so fu- infuriating, but also enlightening documentary and also kind of made on the fly. The, do- the documentary filmmaker just wanted to make a film about the Sherpas' yeah, day-to-day yeah. lives and this horrible tragedy. And she just happened to be there at the time. And um, it ended up, I think it was nominated for a BAFTA for Best Documentary. And she's gone on to make uh, several um, travel documentaries. I think that's her speciality. Um, several of which have been um, narrated by Willem Dafoe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this one's not. No, it's not. It's not. And Callum, what is your best old movie? Well, it is Paddington 2. That really old movie. That really old movie from 2000 and, what was it, 17, I want to say? Or, no, it was 18. Oh, it was in no, that neighbourhood. 17, 17. 17. Okay. 17. It's just perfect. It's a, it's a perfect film. I've watched it many times. I'll watch it many more. Every part of it is charming. Every part of it is funny. It's kinetic. It's light. Um, it it's, works as children's entertainment but also works for entertainment for everyone. There's very few jokes that are aimed just at dad or just at mum, which is usually what they do. Bit for dad, dad bit for mum, bit of romance, bit, bit of this, bit of action. Um, it's a old-fashioned four-quadrant blockbuster that just works for everyone. It's perfect. Yep, I agree. The best-rated movie of all time, and deservingly so. Excellent. Excellent. So now let's move on to the actors and actoresses. Um, we've only done this for the new movies. Um, I don't know why. Uh, I think it's um, just due to brevity, brevity and limits. Yeah. So uh, it is um, unfortunately a bias, but in in modern filmmaking, especially Western filmmaking, there's fewer parts for women especially if you're parts for older women. Mm-hmm. And because we've only watched 15 films, when I was looking f- through them to make a potential Best Supporting Actress, I realised we- I didn't have Best Support. Yeah. Uh, and so that's why... So we've actually... Well, that, that's the previous thing. That's for, still for the new movies. We've just decided to do a Best Actress and a Best Actor. Yes. And a Worst Actor and a Worst Actress. Um, and, yeah. And, and uh, so and kind of merged it. They're only from the new films, just for a bit of brevity. Um, but yeah, that is... <laughs> he did it again, folks. That's how I did That's it. That's how... What happens when people talk with their hands? Well, we're I'm both, never going to start. We're both hand talkers, actually. We're both <laughs> yeah. gesticulating. Um, you're gesticulating well. Um, anyway, so yeah. we. And then the other thing, the question was, well, do we just do best actor and have combined actress and actor? But again, I thought it was better to... to guarantee one from each gender so absolutely to not to be overly complicated but that's why we've gone down that route so callum who is your best actor from a new movie well i i did ponder this a bit because there's quite a few um good actors roaming around there um 
but in the end, I went for someone whose work was quite subtle, um, very low-key in quite a big genre film. Um, so I went for Daniel Kaluuya in Nope, because I felt like, um, whereas the uh, sister role played by Kiki Palmer is very big, she gets kind of the, the big, shouty, kind of, uh, you know, hand-waving moments in this place where we wave our hands a lot. He was very much, you know, very kind of to the point where he was looking at the floor and you know his character had obviously a, some sort of crippling shyness um and you know it goes into a little bit of that where she went off and did her thing he was the one that stayed at home on the farm helping his dad before his dad tragically got killed by the raining debris of the you know the what have you that starts the nope because still not spoiling it um and so it's got a great inner life this performance it's very on the surface seems very simple just nope um you know he's the one that sort of says that a few times very much um not not man of very little words but his eyes say so much and his body language and how stiff it is uh he's the one that has to sort of kind of navigate through this crazy going on in as calm a manner as possible and it's very nuanced and he's a very talented actor so interesting that was my i almost did as mine daniel kaluuya and um stephen yen as a joint okay. winner and then i didn't i decided to go a different direction but that uh, very very close um yeah if I'd stopped my thought process one dot earlier, I might have done chosen that. Um, but I went for Glenn Powell in Top Gun Maverick. Oh, yes, he's he's excellent. I think he's the best thing in it. Um, I think he's really good fun. Uh, I think, again, he kind of plays with what, again, is not a massive part, but it's big enough. Um, yeah, I think he, he works really well. I think he's far more interesting than Miles Teller. Um, yes, I'd agree. And yeah, I know. I think it, I think he may probably won't get many kind of lists and things. And I thought it'd be nice to give a shout out to someone who, a bit further down the call sheet, maybe, but who I think deserves it. Yes, I, I think so. Um, he's kind of one of those guys that straddles between being a character actor and being a movie star or a potential movie star. He's not he's there got the look, yet, isn't he? He's got the look of a movie star, but he might be a bit too interesting to be a character uh, to be a movie star. He, he might end up becoming someone like um, Ethan Hawke. Or I was Ke- thinking maybe Ar- Arnie Hammer. Yeah, pre problems, pre what we the what have you. Um, yes, absolutely. That he is. He was another person who was just a little bit too interesting to be pigeonholed as a movie star, but he was a bit too handsome to be a character actor. So he never got the roles. But Even sometimes if they did it, try. They did. Oh, bloody hell, did they try? And just audiences went, "We don't want him. Stop sending us Army Hammer." The box office says no. But Glenn Powell is. He could potentially be someone like. Um, Ethan Hawke or Kevin Bacon, who have managed to do that thing, and especially Ethan Hawke, because he's writing or co-writing and starring in a film directed by Richard Linklater. So it might be that Richard Linklater has chosen him to be his new boy. And he was in um, that one that Richard Linklater made, the film that name escapes me, is set in college in the 1980s. Oh, um, Everybody Wants Some, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, and yeah. he also had a small role in Apollo 10 and a half. Mm-hmm. So he's clearly being groomed as Richard Linklater's new boy. Do not take that how that sounds. But Richard Linklater sees something in him, sees something enough to write a film with him. Who's he done that with before? Well, it's Ethan Hawke. So it could be that he's going for that sort of movie star, character actor, Ethan Hawke bridge. It's a very hard thing to navigate. Interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, what about your best actress from a new movie? Well, the best actress from a new movie. And this is a, again, kind of tough. And again, it's because of there is a bias. There are fewer parts, you know, written for older women, but also there are fewer parts, leading roles written for, you know, just women in general. And I actually took a performance that is flawed. I don't think it's perfect. And she's trying so hard in a real horrible film. So the worst film of the year was Blonde. And I thought Anna D. Armas did everything she could to salvage that film. And in a way, I'm more impressed that an actress, given such poor material, was able to navigate her way through. There is something about her that's very 
megastar, movie star wattage, even if her she can't quite shake her accent, her Cuban accent. Um, so she plays Marilyn with a slight Cuban accent. She did everything she could. She's really, really trying in that movie. And I think I thought she was good in the role, maybe not good enough to give so, sort of a, an award if we were doing a larger year in film, like next year when we've watched you know dozens of films. In a year when we've only seen 14 new things, though, I was... I found myself going, well, congratulations. Jesus Christ, what did you have to work with? You, you pulled it, somehow you pulled it a rabbit out of that hat. And so for that, I'm giving it to Ana Diamas. Do you know what? So interestingly enough, in my head, she was straddled between, I almost put her as my best actress at one point, but also put, almost put her as my worst actress at one point. I know what you point. mean. I do know because what you I mean. Because I feel like she was still quite mis. I think she did a very good job with bad material. And I think at moments there's, she has the right glint in her eye and stuff. But overall, I just think she was maybe slightly miscast. I don't know. But then I also think she did a good job. So it's, yeah, that was a toss up. But it's not her for my best actress. You've mentioned her already. I went for Kiki Palmer in Nope. Oh, yes. I really enjoyed the kind of, I thought she had kind of the over, more over the top. Right. I, again, I, Daniel Clue, I nearly, one of the reasons I didn't go for Daniel um, and, and Stephen Yen kind of as a mix was because um, I was on yours and Kiki for nope. So, so you, did, you didn't want to overwhelm. Yeah, I didn't want to be like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> um, But yeah, um, I put her down as my best actress. I thought she did incredibly well in that role. I thought it was a bit silly and over the top, but I think she did the, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I She's just, incredibly cool in that film. She is very cool. And when it She's becomes... Cool. She is a cool person. She I is. Now, I, I mean, like. uh, she recently was on Saturday Night Live and she was very funny. Yeah. No, it was good. It was very, very good. She gets to do the Akira slide. And filmmaker, okay. film people will know what I mean. I won't say anything more, but she gets to do it. And she pulls it off. She doesn't make it look silly. Mm. Good. Because you can't do that with a real bike. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I think that is time for an ad break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome back to the Untitled Film Podcast. Review of the year. With Johnny and, and Dog Brain's video. What? Him? He He's couldn't even, we couldn't even pitch his voice right. <laughs> well, he's replacing you. I just have to record him remotely. Um, anyway. We're on to our worst actors of the year. Indeed. And my worst actor of the year. Drum roll, please. Tom Hanks in Pinocchio. Yeah, I nearly went for that. It pains me to say it. I know. I love Tom Hanks so much. I know. But he does once in a blue room do a stinker like Larry Crown and things. And this was a stinker. The accent was terrible. The flailing arms was terrible. It was phoned in. It was fucking awful. He was given no material to play with. He was given ridiculously stupid costumes. But it was a bad performance. And there's no way out of that. Yes. No, you, you're absolutely right. I nearly went for that. It was, but I, I thought that you might go for it. So I went for, like you did earlier, I went for a second choice uh, for my worst because just because I, I knew that this might get missed because I think this movie's been a bit forgotten about. Tom Felton in Save the Cinema. <laughs> if you want to talk bad accents... Oh, I'm from Wales, I am. Oh, oh, but it slips out sometimes, and I'm not from Wales. Oh, but now I am again. It's, it's a bit Postman Pat, isn't it's, it? I mean, Postman Pat, nothing. It, it's <laughs> like he's doing, like when children used to do their bad Pakistani accents after, oh, you know, in the early 2000s, um, after, well, everything that happened. It's like that. It's like nothing on earth. And, you know, it's, a, it's not a great role in the first place, but it's a simple no-brainer Brit flick. Like, a moderately talented actor should have been able to do this, you know? 
Um, I just thought the film was so inoffensive that it didn't bother me that much, but it is bad. Like, there's no way around exactly. it. Exactly. I mean, the film is... <laughs> and again, he's it. not given a huge amount of work with he's this. He's not. <laughs> but the fact is, is that a character like this in a movie like this is such a blank slate mm. because it's a inspirational Brit flick, which we make a dime a dozen. Even the bad ones are kind of like, there's a formula to them. How, you I mean, can't, how, can you, how, how can you mess up that formula? But the other side of the coin is, how did you want him to play it? I mean, did you want him to like chew the scenery and I wanted him to be a bit better I I wanted him to do a convincing Welsh accent or maybe don't bother with the Welsh accent and just say I've moved here from well yeah something anything it does I mean I know it's based on a true story and he's playing a real person but who cares Uh, no one except the the people in that Welsh village care part of me wonders about if it's a um if it's even his fault, should he have been cast in that role? Is that is that not the mistake of the They just the cast went for it because he was a name. And actually everyone in that cast, because that's a surprisingly starry cast. Even the ones I didn't recognise, like, oh, she's been in a syndicated American television show. Mm. He's been in a syndicate. Bloody hell, there's loads of Welsh people running around Hollywood, aren't there? Uh, even the ones like aren't Michael Sheen or Matthew Rhys famous. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of them. But yeah, no, he he something about him just bugged me. Fair enough. <laughs> So um, I want to hear your worst. I actually struggled my worst actress. Yeah, same. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I partially because actually, unfortunately, there's not many kind of like shiningly big roles. And most of the shiningly big roles in the movies we watch that were given to women, they seem to take with grasp with both hands and do a very good job on exactly um so i'm going for what feels a bit like low-hanging fruit and i feel unfair and i don't necessarily think if it's her fault i think maybe she was just horrendously miscast but it's Lindsay lohan in um in falling for christmas because she doesn't suit it she just doesn't really work in the role and she doesn't feel like she's putting a huge amount of effort in she's incredibly miscast yeah you get when you look back at Lindsay lohan's repartee you had Lindsay lohan films where she was putting a lot of effort in like mean girls and then you had her showing up as a tv appearance in something not really caring and it felt like she was doing that for the film yeah i didn't feel like she particularly cared about being there and she was miscast and that's not her fault no no not not at all and i'm hoping what this is because i She's a talented woman, and um, many of my favourite teen movies of that era are hers. You know, um, she she was a great talent. And what I'm hoping is that she gets a sort of Robert Downey Jr.-esque comeback, but yeah. I think she needs something quirky and edgy, which I think she'll suit in the same way that Robert Downey Jr. was never meant to be the lead heartthrob in Ally McBeal, but he was. And he's fine doing it, but... Um, He's just not built for that. He's built for being a bit weirder. And I think her too, if she gets a slightly dark, world-weary part, I think she'll do it really well. But I hope that what this is, though, is that it's a sign that because she's now showing up in a Netflix movie, she'll be... She's back on the hiring list. She's back on the hiring list, exactly. exactly. So hopefully this is a a sign of good things rather than of bad things. I mean, simply put, she's probably insurable again. Yes, I think so, yeah. So, which is very good news, and I hope to see her in something interesting next year, but Hopefully. this was not the film. And yeah. My film, my yes. actress was a little bit tricky as well, and again, it's, it's low-hanging fruit, but it's more of a case of, as with um, the, um, my worst uh, old film, this is a case of not bad, just least good. Thank you. As, as I said, thank you, because he's pouring me some wine <laughs> for people in podcast land. You can hear it. Um, Samantha Morton in Save the Cinema there was something weirdly baffling but I think it was a character thing not an actress thing she's doing what she can with a character who makes just the bizarrest decisions to bolt herself into the cinema and then when her husband brings up quite a reasonable like um, you know objection like you know if they bulldoze this place there'll be a lot of jobs in this community and you know, I, I, I don't think it's ever said exactly what his job is, but it's suggested that he'll be, you know, whatever, you know, carpenter, builder, plasterer, something. It, whatever job that is brought in by the building of this new, uh, I think it's a shopping mall, wasn't it, uh, to bulldoze this cinema, her, you know, their lives will be a little bit better off because her husband will get some work. And she just goes, no. And that's not Samantha Morton's fault at all. But... 
how do you do, how do you deliver that dialogue? So I think what she's doing is she's going, cool, blimey, this is shit, but it's fitted perfectly with my summer holiday and I could use an extra however much she gets paid for it. So she does it almost like, I'm going to play this part like I'm a fucking nutty, you know? Like I'm a, just, just round the bend, off the twist. I'm going to make decisions that no human would make. And it's... She doesn't make the decisions, though. the script makes the, the decisions. The script makes the decisions, but she plays them in a slightly manic way and I'm wondering how much is that her deciding, I'm going to have fun with this. It's rubbish, I'm going to have fun with it. So it's not bad, it's just least good because she's trying to navigate. You can see the cogs whirring in her head going, oh, this is rubbish. Should I... Yeah, I'm going to have fun with this. I'm going to choose some scenery. So it's... And it was hard, again with what 15 14 films something like that yeah to find it, it was really tough and it was i think as well if you'd have asked me to find the second worst actor i might have found find a couple but you know there wasn't like a list of in the stuff we watched there wasn't many people who were like outright bad you're going oh my exactly. god why have they got this role and again i kind of i don't necessarily think i agree with you that i would have put it her as my worst but it was it was a nothing role that she did as much as she could do with, exactly. but there wasn't a huge amount to do with it. But yeah, and hopefully next year we'll be able to come up with uh, something a bit more kind of actually. God, that was awful that performance. What was that about? Yeah. Excellent. Moving on though, we wanted to, to broaden it a little bit and talk about things something that we hadn't seen for the podcast, something we'd seen in general. Obviously, we started this podcast in I want to say October? August. No, it was earlier than that. It was before we went to um, Budapest. So. Was it, oh, was it? Was it? it must have been kind of... Oh, like it was 14 August, episodes, September. so that's, that's uh, three months. So, yes, yeah, September, I think. Yeah, or yeah early late, September. late August, early September kind of time. Um, and obviously there's a lot of films watched before then. There's stuff we watched not for the, sh- the, the show, there's TV shows we watched. So we just wanted to give a shout-out each to something that we didn't do for the podcast, be it film or TV show. We and also have lives, so we do watch films for fun. We do, yeah. Um, and Callum, what was your thing that you, was not for the podcast? Can but... I mention two? Or do I, am I rigidly bound to one? No, you can mention two. I think I know what two it's going to be. Okay, but... so there, there were two films that I thought were excellent, and I think it's a shame that we didn't get to talk about them. One we almost did. Uh, the other, it wasn't really on our radar. There was nothing to compare it to. It was too old by the time that it hit streaming. So by the points then it was available for both of us to see, it was no longer a new film, nor was it old enough to be an old film. And the first one is Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I thought that was it was moving, it was clever, it was kinetic. It had uh, scenes that were right out of a Hong Kong kung fu movie and then it would bring in nietzschean philosophy and it it never felt like those things were at odds the visual style is incredible michelle yao is incredible it's just everything down the line and it's one of the favorites this year the award season thus far of course um and i think the best supporting actor choice is pretty much locked i can't remember his name but he was a child actor he was in um this second Indiana Jones movie, uh, short, short Round. Uh, he's now an adult. He hasn't acted for something like 15 years. And now he's back and he's tipped for the favourite to be the best supporting actor. And he deserves it. He's excellent. And I, I hope that everyone saw it, will eventually get to see it. I, I made sure that my brother watched it, who's living up in Durham. And then we had a chat after it, after it was done. And so it's just a film I like sharing with people. And my second choice is The Banshees of Inner Sharon. I should have written these down, so I knew these were the two you could say. <laughs> I haven't seen either of them for one And we almost did watch this for the podcast, because we it was... We can and schedule it. We just couldn't schedule it, and we were going to schedule it with Once, the Irish movie that was sort of the indie favourite of 2005 or six, mm. I want to say. And it has the guy who is called the Chris Martin of Ireland. And I... And, Johnny watched the trailer and he said, I, I think this is going to really annoy me. So that is a lost episode that could have been really funny because I wanted to see how he would react to once, which I'm sort of ambivalent, maybe indifferent when, maybe to. Maybe when the Banshees goes maybe. into a streaming I, I would like that, hopefully. Because I'm indifferent to that movie. It's a, it's a film I loved as a teenager that now I see it as a, a fine enough indie movie that broke out. But The Banshees of Inner Sharon was just... Incredible. It was one of the best screenplays of the year. It's the best um, Martin McDonough film. Um, Colin Farrell continues to show that he is 
this generation's best actor. It's just that people haven't started speaking of him in those terms. Everybody's always liked him. But it's only been now that people have gone, oh yeah, he is the best, isn't he? And it's just, everything about it works. Um, I, I didn't expect it to be as moving as it was because the trailers only show you the Father Ted-esque comedy of it. But it gets dark, it gets interesting, it gets introspective. Again, with... Um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, it gets very philosophical. It's just two incredibly well-scripted movies, and it shows that original cinema, as much as people tell you that it's all superhero flicks nowadays, there are some original films occasionally struggling through, and these are two of them. Yeah, no, they, I've both heard amazing things about both, both on my list. Nearly watched everything all, everywhere all at once on a plane recently and thought, you know what? I'm going to put them in my pocket, but not on a plane, to watch it on a big screen and with proper sound and stuff. Probably a good good idea. Yeah, that's what I thought. And, um, yeah, I really want to see The Banshees. I love In Bruges, like Seven Psychopaths, so no. And I hear it's his best. So, no, excited for those. I've gone a little bit a different way. Uh, Obviously, on this podcast, we don't just do films. We do documentaries and we also do... Uh, TV series, and I have. I'm gonna because you did two. I'm gonna do two. Okay, yeah, go but ahead. I'm gonna do the one that I the the TV series that I wanted to give a big shout out to first is Severance, which is. Have you watched it yet? I have. Uh, a fucking masterpiece from start to finish. It's beautifully shot, beautifully acted, beautifully engrossing. Um, it's by far the best thing Apple TV Plus has done, and I would say, in fairness to Apple TV, they've had some pretty good. Things I, I, like, I like Ted Lasso that. and etc. I was a big fan of um, Servant. Yeah, and uh, I've forgotten his name. Um, the one with the really long name with the guys from Always Sunny, uh, Mythic oh, Quest. Oh, yes, Mythic Quest. The, well, um, I think most um, people just call it... Yeah, m- most, most people just call it Mythic Quest. Um, I've just enjoyed watching Loot on there as well. So no, uh, I will also give them best streaming service of the year. Um, yeah. Although Disney Plus is up there. Uh, and my second one is... Um, Despite the fact it got some mixed, not reviews, it got some people whinging about some of the tools used in production, but I really enjoyed Roadrunner uh, about Anthony Bourdain. I thought it was really beautifully, the, the new bits and the interviews were beautifully shot. I thought it told the story very well. He's someone I'm incredibly interested in and have read all his books. Um, but also, actually, I've listened to a lot of his books as well because he reads them and it's amazing to listen to his audiobooks because he's got such a way with words. Um, but also I've read a lot of books built on the crew and stuff and it, it did a very good job of telling that story I believe um, and yeah it was really it was heart-wrenching um, also it has a bomb soundtrack like it is so good um, it's been on repeat all year for me um, so yeah they're the two that I would like to give a shout out to and hopefully everybody listening or 25 of you will enjoy those recommendations absolutely um, so I think what we wanted to do to finish this episode was is to tease a little bit of what we've got coming up in 2023. Fuck me, 2023, when's no. that come from? I mean, I'm we still not over... Two missing years, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, 2020, it kind of just didn't happen. 21 was a bit of a weird one as well. Yeah. 22 feels like a proper year for finally, after 18 months of madness. No. Um, fuck COVID. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but no, so for 2023, I suspect it's going to be a very good year, um, apart from maybe a recession, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully this podcast will be recession proof and we'll stay at zero pounds and zero pence. <laughs> um, so yeah, you'll have maybe more time to listen to it when you have less time to buy beer, like I like to do. Um, so but parking all that, we will, we've got some ideas that we're going to be talking about in the next few weeks. One of the first episodes we are going to do next year is a true crime episode. Yes, we, we've been talking about this one for a, a little bit. Um, we were going to do it several weeks ago. and, and uh, we, we postponed it to do some Christmassy stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but we are going to come straight into the new year with true crime. And we're going to be watching two true crime TV series, one of which is an OG um, of the genre, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. We don't give the too Mac much away Daddy. at this stage, but yeah, uh, great series. Um, secondly, we were talking. We we're going to do an anime TV series episode. Um, I I haven't discussed this with you, but I really want to do Death Note as the old show. Yeah, sure. Uh, and we need to find something I, uh, new to go with it. Good fun. Um, I might ask. My brother is a big sort of anime TV show. 
fan. He he keeps up to date with all this stuff. He keeps badgering me over, so you know, as bad technologically as I am, he is way worse. He we still talk over email <laughs> because he doesn't have a, a, um, a smartphone of any kind, and he's probably never going to get one. So it's it's quite cute. But it, it, it's so how does he listen to our podcast? Uh, I send him the links directly, and he kind of. You know, he, he click. You know, he does it that way rather than subscribing. Okay. Shout out to Rory. Yes. Hi, Rory. Uh, he's been asking me to watch. Um, I think it's called Chainsaw Head, something like that, or, or something Chainsaw. I've seen a. If, it's I the think thing. I've seen like a picture of it's it. It's the thing, but it, it's um, so it could be the one for the, the yeah. new one. But um, uh, I'm sure he'll also give us other suggestions. And also, this will be the first time we've done a anime television show because previously yeah, we've movies. only done. Uh, to adaptations, Western yeah. adaptations at that of anime uh, shows. We did Speed Racer and we did Cowboy Bebop, both uh, of which were the remakes. And then we've had a couple of anime movies. We had um, Whisper the Heart and... Do we have another one? No, I think that one? might be it. So yeah, um, so maybe do a little bit more of that. Um, I'd also like to do some international movies. Um, yes, I've, we should. Chonking Mansions, I want to pair with something, I don't know what, because okay. I'm not Chonking Mansions, Chonking Express, Chonking Express. Mansions is the building. Um, <laughs> in, yeah, which is uh, anything by Wong Kar Wai is always good. Oh, I'm sure we could find something. I mean, Hong Kong cinema is forever expanding. Uh, also, South Korean cinema, we could do something there. Exactly. Uh, I mean, there are just, endless just countries. South Asian or something, even. Yeah. There, are, there are endless countries that we could pick from, so, all right. of which have interesting cinema. So, yes, yeah, some more international cinema. And also, in general, we're talking about doing some more TV series next year cause to, to mix in there with the movies. I'd like we... to do some more genre cinema. One thing I noticed we didn't do is for the entire month of October, there were no horror films talked about. No, we didn't. Well, I think just we because we did our first episode was we horror, did. wasn't it? And in 2021, there were a bunch of really interesting ones yeah. to come out. Sorry, 2021? 2022. Um, there was X and Smile and a whole load of them that not all of them are perfect, apparently. I have, to be honest, I haven't actually seen any of them. And, you know, this from a horror fan, there's just been quite a few other stuff to watch. Barbarian, apparently, is the one to watch, so it's one to catch up with. But so, yeah, next absolutely. year, I'd like to do some. Absolutely. So now we have got lots of exciting plans. So stay tuned here at the Callum and Johnny film podcast or whatever we're called. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's the Untitled Film Podcast with Callum and Johnny. Follow us on the Instagrams and the internet. So that's and, uh, Untitled Film Podcast or one word. And please... Uh, share this far and wide. Um, tell people about us. We're trying to now. We think you, you might. I mean, you guys may disagree, but now we think we've got a bit of a footing in this. We're trying to build our audience, and in doing so, um, hopefully, we can continue to afford to do this uh, in the long run. Uh, once we can maybe start making a small income <laughs> to cover technical expenses and things, that would be nice. Um, yeah, absolutely. and also I think uh, we should take this opportunity to say thank you to Rob Hardstone, who has been doing all of the sound mixing and editing and making us sound beautiful and wonderful and making us sound rich and, and like we like we know what we're doing. Because if you listen to some Husky. of those first episodes where, you know, it wasn't Rob doing those, they we there's mixed results there. Yeah, there's definitely some issues with... Um... How would I describe it? There's definitely some issues with um, with audio levels, yes. should we say? So no, he's thank a hero, you, Rob. Um, and yeah, we are planning on, and that is the other thing for next year. We have some more guests in, that want to come on the podcast. Yes, and I believe Rob wants to be one at some point. Um, there's one that I haven't told you about, which I will tell you about oh, okay. in a minute. Okay, <laughs> um, and you've got one lined up as well, I believe. Yes, I have uh, a friend from the United States who wants to be involved. So we have some guests as well. Um, hope you guys enjoyed a couple of weeks back with Dog Brain. Um, and yeah, we'll, going forward, we're going to try and have some more. So keep tuned. Thank you for listening, everyone who's listened this year. Um, and please, yeah, as I say, share far and wide. Wish your phone would stop beeping during the I know, outro. I know. This but is it's a, very been annoying. lovely to do this, guys, because it's very fun. We like talking movies. And, yeah, if anyone ever wants to go to the pub and talk about movies, you're more than welcome. Uh, have a happy new year again, and cheers, Callum. Cheers. That, thing that was slightly I was better. I really wanting it to sound like... Ding. Ding.
I think you're holding it too light. Should we just try this? Better. Cheers, everyone, and a happy new year. Bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.